so you're sure you're not gay? Not even bi? Asked one of my friends in the early years of high school. I was shaken by the direct nature of the Inquisition. My face flushed. The silence seemed infinite. Eventually, I stuttered, yes, I'm sure, though the only thing I felt sure of was my confusion and embarrassment. I remember so vividly what came next. I don't really get the gay vibe from you, chimed in my other friend, which shut down the conversation fast. He, my other friend, had already come to terms with his sexuality and was openly gay by this point. He smiled at me. In retrospect, I think that maybe this was a knowing smile, but at the time, I was just so grateful he came to my rescue. There wasn't room for any more discussion on the topic after he spoke, because who is anyone to argue with a gay man's gaydar? As I've expressed on here before, high school is often a tough time for anyone who feels or is anything other than what the norm is. But at that age, you're desperate to fit in. Being accepted by your peers is of the utmost importance. It makes sense. You have to spend so much time at school for years and years and years. It feels like eternity. It seems impossible to imagine a life outside of it. It is where you spend a lot of your life in adolescence, whether you like it or not. My friend, the one who was openly gay pretty early on, was always someone I admired. He, like me, was friends with a lot of the girls, was camp and didn't like playing football or rugby the way that boys were supposed to. Because of this, he faced a lot of the same abuse I was subject to. However, unlike me, he quickly came to terms with his sexuality. And once he did, he embraced it unapologetically. He lived out loud, seeming unafraid, even if at times I suspect he was inside. It left the bullies dumbfounded. How offensive can the word poof be if you've already accepted you're gay? The insult became pointless. Once he no longer cared, his weakness disappeared. Suddenly, he was strong, no longer the obvious target. I idolised his bravery, wished I could have been more like him. Looking back, it's easy to see him as clever too, a master of defence mechanism. But at the time, it just seemed to me he embodied a strength and a give-no-fucks attitude I was in awe of. And though he was undoubtedly stronger than I at that point, he still looked out for me. It would have been easy for him to drag me out, kicking and screaming, of the closet I was still hiding inside. So confused and frightened I didn't yet understand that I was in there at all, let alone why. It would have been easy for him to mock my reluctance and fear. I believe he saw all of that in me, most likely because he'd been there himself, knowing one day I'd come to terms with it and it would be okay, perhaps even great. But he also sensed that I wasn't ready that day, so he threw me a lifeline that no one else could. That is empathy and kindness I will never forget. The reason insults like fag and poof had power was because they implied you were a homosexual, which was deemed to be the worst thing you could possibly be. The homophobia that we lived amongst so openly for so long is hard to revisit. No wonder we were fucking terrified. No wonder there's so much self-loathing and shame and guilt we have to spend years unpacking. I'm still working on some of this. Even realising and let it sink in that this stuff has affected me feels difficult to get my head around, but I can see how it's impacted on my life. In my terrible anxiety and bouts of melancholy, often shrouded in shame. In my lack of self-belief. But most especially I see it in my romantic history, 
the complicated way in which I connect with men I'm attracted to, the resistance to relationships or to open up and let someone in. Something holds me back, and I've never understood why that might be, until considering the impact of growing up in a heteronormative world and facing years of homophobic bullying. It hurts to be honest and accept that internalising years of hate has potentially held me back from a love I know I deserve and am worthy of, or even in having more of the fun that your 20s are meant to be full of. It's hard and painful and complex to talk about when on a conscious level you know things have been, continue to be fucked, and that it's not okay, far from it. The problem is a lot of this stuff is rooted in the subconscious. From years of being told by the world and society that who you are is inherently wrong. It is only in retrospect that we realise this was what happened and can look back and try to understand the ways in which that might have disrupted our psyche, our self-worth and belief. It can, will take a lot of work to undo what's already been done. It's not a switch you can flick. If we're sticking with the light metaphor, it's more of a dimmer, gradually getting brighter, slowly but surely. To talk about our shame can feel anti-pride. It can feel like giving in to the oppressor, to admit we have been burned, that we still hurt, that what we've been through has affected us in adverse ways. But I'm trying to work on accepting that one doesn't have to negate the other. It is a perfect time to allow ourselves to see how joy can coexist alongside pain, how light can lead you out of the darkness. Our trauma and pain is valid, its effects are real, but it does not need to stop us truly living, loving, shining, thriving. We deserve it. Everyone does. Despite what some extremely privileged people may believe, we do not now live in a utopia, free from prejudice, hate and oppression. Progress has been made, but the issues that have caused the marginalisation of minority groups are deeply ingrained within systems and societies. So much of it is normalised that to unlearn it takes a lot of effort and attention, especially that which does not directly affect you. It requires active participation from those who care to make the world a better, more loving and accepting place. We have to open our eyes. In terms of queer progress, we have come a long, long way. We have many heroes for which we have to continue to be grateful for. Without them, we wouldn't be where we are today. We stand on the shoulders of giants. But we are not finished, and there's still so far to go. An example we can look at is the clear disparity when it comes to race. It's undeniable that all queer people of colour do not experience the same love, acceptance, opportunities and representation as white queer people do. In our continued fight, we have to work to change that, to have everyone included. Because belief in social justice should not be a selfish endeavour. On a general level, and in this specific context, we as white people need to work harder at accepting the privileges our skin colour has allowed us. This, however, is part of a larger conversation regarding racism and white privilege. At this point, I'd like to quote Monroe Bergdorf, a wonderful black trans model, writer and activist, who shared a message that is so fitting for this on her Instagram. White privilege doesn't mean your life hasn't been hard. It just means the colour of your skin isn't one of the things making it harder. To engage in conversations of this nature without a focus on intersectionality is to miss the point completely. Many forms of oppression simply cannot be discussed separately without erasing the experiences of those who live at the intersections. Intersectionality references people who belong to more than one marginalised or oppressed community. 
for example, someone who is LGBT and a person of colour. Other issues that are too often not given the time they deserve include the vitriol that trans people are subjected to, often in the media, so similar to the homophobia that was common in the 80s and 90s, and yet we don't talk about it enough. Disabled queer people do not have enough of a platform and often are isolated from discussion. Fat phobia and body shaming and racism and toxic masculinity is commonplace within the LGBTQ community. You only have to take a few swipes on the apps to see that. There are so many more issues I could go into here. By erasure, the lack of acceptance people who identify as non-binary are the two that spring to mind. There is such a rich diversity of people who exist as part of the collective queer acronym, many of whom are so far from conforming to the cis, straight, white, male-dominated world that we live in. As a consequence of that, the issues, the hurt, the trauma, the troubles they face are nuanced and complex. No one microcosm is more deserving of attention than the other. It is amazing that we have marriage equality in some countries. It is fantastic seeing LGBTQ characters appear on our screens more frequently, even in the mainstream. But it would be foolish to think that there is not still work to be done. And as a community, we have to be in it together. During Pride, it is important to celebrate how far we have come. I do not want to dispute that, but it is of equal importance to look around and see how far we still have to go. I think we have to remind ourselves that unless everyone is free, really, none of us are. Pride is a reminder that protest can be so powerful, that anger is a tool we can use as a force for good. We have to remain angry at injustice. Without it, we will get nowhere. We must try and use that anger to work towards change, alongside hope and a belief that the world can be a better place. This Pride Month, whether you're queer or an ally, we should all take time to listen to people from the LGBTQ community. Listen to their experiences and what they have to say. And if we start there, why stop? Try to do it more often. Make a conscious effort. Make it a habit. Listen to people who are different from you. Hear how their identity has affected their being in the world. Learn to accept your privileges. Try to use them as a platform for change. Learn how to be a better friend and a more compassionate human by listening to the voices of those around you. Believe in and fight for the right of people who aren't like you as well. Consume more diverse media. Read broadly. There's so much we can learn from one another. And remember that despite our many beautiful differences, being human is universal. We are all here on this earth to try and live our best lives. To connect, to love, to build something that feels meaningful. I'd like to close on a quote I read not so long ago from Jiddu Krishnamurti, which ever since I read has really stuck with me. It's so simple and beautiful and feels incredibly apt to write at the end of this letter. There is hope in people, not in society, not in systems, but in you and me.